This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Boston Loose Baseball Episode 91 is here. Today, we're taking a dive into the World Series matchup and what it means for the Nationals' rebuild. Can they find themselves in anything going on in Arizona or Texas? Plus, a look at the 40-man roster. A couple of decisions have already been made. More need to be made. What do we think the roster could look like? And will the Nats be active in free agency at all? Those things coming up on Boston Loose Baseball, episode 91, and it starts right now. Boston Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball, episode 91 with Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson, producer Darius Dammer, making everything sound good. We are on to the World Series, and this is kind of fun. No Philadelphia Phillies. The Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks in Game 7 for the second time in as many games at home for Philadelphia. They came up small. Arizona wins. They go on to face the Texas Rangers. What? an NLCS for Arizona and what a story this is. Yeah, it's kind of awesome because it kind of gives you hope if you're a Nationals fan that maybe it's not going to take as long because, you know, it's not like the Arizona Diamondbacks this year were a juggernaut team. I mean, everybody thought maybe the Atlanta Braves or like we just talked about with the Phillies, one of those teams was going to go back to the World Series in the National League and that didn't happen. And then the American League, you know, the Rangers are kind of up and down. They were pretty good all year and then they struggled for a little while. So it's kind of cool to see these teams get in. I think they need to shuffle up the playoff system a little bit because it seems kind of wrong to have the best teams. Three of the four teams that had a bye ended up getting bounced in the divisional series. So I think they might need to you know, change some things up. The Astros get through in that, and I don't think that's any surprise because the Astros have played so much playoff baseball, they know how to adjust to these things. But I don't know. It, it's kind of crazy to think that we're at a point now where the Rangers and the Diamondbacks are really in the World Series and they're going to face off 
on Friday. Like, it's just nuts that that's the World Series we have this year. Yeah, I'm wondering if you got a ticket for the Rangers and the Diamondbacks before the playoffs started. What kind of return on your money you got? I mean, that would be pretty incredible. But we're going to have a ninth different champion over a 10-year span, which is awesome. And you got two teams in the World Series that lost 100 games a couple years ago, which I think speaks to the, the health of Major League Baseball. But to your point, we're viewing everything through a Nats lens today here on BLB. Two years ago, the Diamondbacks had 110 losses. You know, this past year, they were 74 and 88. So there's real comparisons to the Nationals, frankly. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the Nationals this season were the same as the Diamondbacks last year or that they're going to the World Series next year. But the Nats lost, you know, to that point of 100 games last year and then, you know, bounce right back and we're much better this year. And the, the equivalent would be that they're kind of, capable of making a run next season now again that's not going to happen i'm not predicting that but what i am doing is saying just like the rangers the diamondbacks were a 100 lost team they lost 110 games in 2021 so you, you the next year you get to 70 wins and we saw the nationals you know do that then you get to 84 wins and it's not like they were great this year by the way they got outscored they were 746 runs uh, scored 761 allowed that they were minus 15 in run margin they were uh, three games basically over 500 this season. That was the extent of, well, six over, but, you know, 84 wins, I guess, is my point, over the, the 500 threshold. This is what is possible in this new format. And some people hate it. You talk about changing it. Some people love it. I think it's great for the game when these magical carpet rides happen. I agree with you. They need to probably find a way to at least make it harder for the wildcard teams to go on these runs, because it happens semi-frequently at this point. But I guess my question to you, Toby, is what do you do? You know, I haven't really come up with something that I love if you're going to change it to make life harder on the teams like the Diamondbacks that were hovering around 500 this year and easier for teams like Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why I don't get paid all this stuff. That's why Rob Manfred gets paid and I don't. I mean, I don't like the three game wild card series that much. I didn't mind the single game wild card. So uh, maybe you go back to that. But either way, I mean, even for the Nationals, when there was a single game wild card, it seemed like every time that they won the division, they came into the divisional series cold. All their bats went cold. So, you know, I don't know that there is a real fix. I mean, the reality is, if you win your division, you're one of the teams with a bye, you're going to have a couple of days off. Now, do you want it to be four days off, or do you want it to be two days off, or three days off? You know, it, I, I think there's a discussion to be had there, but, you know, the reality is, at some point, you got to come out and perform, and the top teams just didn't, and whether that was because of the layoff or not, you know, it's a credit to these teams for continuing to go, but I think just looking at the Diamondbacks grant, it's, you know, they, they made one key trade, I think, and then a lot of the guys are prospects or guys that they've picked up along the way. But, you know, trading Dalton Varsho for Lourdes Gurriel and Gabby Moreno has paid dividends. I don't know that there's a guy like that for the Nationals to trade, but it just gives you some hope that, you know, James Wood, these guys we're going to talk about here in just a couple of minutes, come up and help out the team. And then maybe one of the veterans becomes expendable and you trade them and bring in a couple of guys that can help you out for the Nationals, maybe on the pitching staff or in the bullpen. And all of a sudden, you might find yourself somewhere. You know, it's 
it's a crazy thing to think about because the Diamondbacks, no one would have thought would have been in the World Series. But at the same point for the Nationals, you're looking at it saying, all right, well, maybe this isn't going to be as long. It's just one of those things. You got to find a way into the postseason and anything can happen. So for the Nationals, I think that's just got to be your plan. Just find a way into October. And then who knows? You know, maybe you end up losing right away in the wild card series and maybe you get on a magic carpet ride and go back to the World Series. So it's just one of those things where just find a way in and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, the Diamondbacks have a couple of great players that the world's finding out about, oh, including yeah. Corbin Carroll, their rookie of the year in the National League, who had an 870 OPS and a 285 average with 25 homers this season. And he's one of the fastest players in baseball. He's a spark plug. He steals bases. Uh, he's just an awesome talent. Uh, he swiped 54 bags this season. The only part of his game that isn't a strength is is his arm in the outfield. Uh, he's got one of the weaker arms in the game, but he's a good defensive player otherwise, and he's a fantastic base runner, and he's a tiny little guy. I mean, he's about 5'8 and change, and, you know, wiry, strong, but, you know, not thick by any means. And, uh, and you know, he can fly, and, and he hits home runs. So it's been fun to watch him. But the, the one difference I will say is, you know, this team, while, well, yeah, they graduated uh, Brandon Fodd in the rotation, who was a good pitching prospect, who did not throw that well, interestingly, during the regular season. He had a ERA well over five and a half and a FIP over five. He's been awesome in these playoffs. They have two really good veteran starting pitchers, Zach Gallen, who has become like a Cy Young caliber arm, and Merrill Kelly, who's 34 years old and just pitched for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. So the Nats don't really have that. I mean, they don't have like two veteran presences in the front of their rotation. Those guys this year both had ERAs in the threes. So that's one major, major difference. Uh, they went and got at the deadline a terrific veteran closer in Paul Seawall. That's something the Nats would have to do in terms of like going on a run or the, like what separates them from this magical kind of thing. But the other thing I would say is, you know, the Diamondbacks are much more veteran laden in their lineup as well. Whereas, you know, the Nats, it's, they're piecemealing this thing together mostly with kind of your Joey Manessis types or, you know, finding a one-year contract guy. Like Christian Walker is a bopper who's been in Arizona for a while, 33 homers, 100 RBI this year. Cattell Marte, who's been an all-star in this league, 25 home runs. He's now 29. He's there. You mentioned they traded for Lourdes Gariel, who's 29 years old. He had 24 homers and drove in 80 and had a 775 OPS. So, I mean, the, the comp roster-wise is not the same because Arizona's been – piecing together a pretty good, at times, veteran-laden roster. But I think w what I would say is similar is just they were really bad a couple of years ago and have quickly turned it around. Now, if the playoffs started again today, you know, they might lose to the Brewers, right? I mean, they, they could immediately be eliminated because they're just, you know, it's they're fine. <laughs> but they've gone on the crazy run, and maybe that should shift some philosophies of, just get in, especially in this format. Like maybe I've always viewed it as should you be buying at the deadline? Well, if, if you don't think of yourself as like a World Series candidate, uh, it's not worth it. You know, wait a year, whatever. Maybe the, the philosophy now and the lesson is, uh-uh, just get in. The, no one thought the Phillies were going to swing their way to the World Series last year. No one thought the 2019 Nats would make the run. Like this new era is really quirky enough in October that you think, Let's just get there and see what happens. 
Yeah, and I want to clarify, like, we're not saying the Nationals are going to the World Series next year, but I think what this brings up is... In fact, we are saying they are not going to the World <laughs> Series next year. Yeah, we'll go out on a limb. We're not going to yeah. go uh, Mad Dog and say we'll retire, but we'll, we'll say that they're probably not going to the World Series next year. But for the Nationals, I think you can look at 2025 as a time that maybe they can, because like you said, a lot of veterans in Arizona. That's not necessarily the case for the Nationals, and the veterans they do have probably aren't capable of taking a team to the world series so i think what i'm the reason i think this gives you some hope though is you look at next year as let's evaluate the young guys let's get their feet wet and then bigs you know the guys we're going to talk about in the minor league system get those guys up and playing in the major leagues you still got cj you still got gore getting accustomed you still got gray to grow and then find out okay now we've got an expendable guy in the outfield now we've got an expendable guy here maybe move some guys and bring some pieces in maybe spend some money god forbid in free agency you know so i think you have the ability next year to kind of evaluate and then 2025 might be the time that you can try to make some let's push the chips in and see if we can get into october and who knows maybe get on that magic carpet ride but i you know we're not crazy enough to think they're going to the world series next year no, uh, I don't think they're making the playoffs next year, and I don't think you do either. <laughs> um, having said that, you know, I, I bring it up, and I think it's a good clarification by you, Tobes. I, I bring it up because the, the two years that they've had here, the last two years, are a lot like Arizona's last two mm -hmm. years. Like when the Nats lost 107, the Diamondbacks lost 110. When the Nats won 71, I think the Diamondbacks won 75 or whatever it was, 76. So they've been within three to five games of Arizona the last two years, and then lo and behold, this year, you know, they kind of turn a corner over in Arizona and they go all the way to the World Series. So my point is not to say that the, the Washington Nationals uh, are doing that as much as it is to say, like, this does happen now in baseball where you can turn things around quickly. Like there was a time where it took a long, long time. And I think we are at a point now where with drafting collegiate players who are more ready and closer than they've been and some of the other things that you, you can do with trades and otherwise, like it, it's not as crazy to say that you can get really good, really fast. And the whole point of this conversation, to, if we could drill down is the playoffs are utterly unpredictable. And the, the format is such right now that frankly, as a wild card, you, you benefit a little bit going into these division series after you win. So that's kind of the, the point of the conversation, I guess is, is what I would say. Um, having said that you need to spend a little money and make a good trade or two and bring on some salary and go get veterans. And there has been no attempt to do any of that <laughs> by this team over the last couple of off seasons. And I can't imagine there's going to be much of an attempt to do that this off season. I mean, what's your expectation? Like they haven't sold. They're not going to sell. It doesn't look, look like any time in the, the foreseeable future here, early off season. Is there any reason to believe that they might like start acting a little more like the pre-pandemic learners and like sign a couple players that are good at baseball or like my my thought is they're going to do another hey Mike Rizzo spend 20 million or less this offseason bit and he can go out and and add three or four guys on one year two year type deals and try to have another Jamer Candelario Trevor Williams Hall where you can flip somebody that's kind of yeah. what I'm expecting. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I would be. I think that's kind of what's going to happen because, to be honest with you, too, I don't know that this is the offseason to spend because, say, you bring in an outfielder. Well, you've already got Lane Thomas. You bring in 
whoever the outfielder may be, well, then where's Wood going? Where's Cruz going? So you don't necessarily need to bring in an outfielder. I want to keep third base open in case I want to bring up Yo-Yo or Brady House. Second base, we'll see, you know, still see with Luis Garcia, and maybe that's somewhere you could. Obviously, first base. Catcher set with Kbert. Pitchers, though, is where you need to spend the money. I, that's pretty obvious because even if you put all the young guys that you want into the rotation, the bullpen, there's still going to be glaring holes. So I would love to see them spend some money on the pitching staff. I don't see that happening. And if they do, it's maybe another Trevor Williams type thing, which we saw this year was not that great. So he can eat innings for you, which is good. But at the same point, you know, it seems like you could almost – get some of these guys that are going to be available just to have them ready to go. You know, Blake Snell, I don't know that that would be someone that would fit with the nationals, but just saying like those kinds of names where it could be like, all right, let's start building something. There's going to be one year here in 24 where, yeah, we understand that we're probably not going to be a playoff team, but let's start building towards that. You know, they did that with Jason worth before. Maybe that's not this off season though. Maybe that's next off season, but I wouldn't hate to see them spend a little cash and bring in a veteran pitcher with some pedigree. So that way, you know, you can have someone to mentor a guy like a Mackenzie Gore and some of these guys, they grow up. I mean, Patrick Corbin was that guy for a little bit, but now he's kind of fallen off. So I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say that those guys aren't going to listen to Patrick Corbin, but at the same point, I wouldn't mind having them go out and get some pitchers to help out and just help them be a little more competitive because we talked about this all throughout the year. Maybe it's spending on the bullpen. You know, you want to try and win some of these ball games, and all of a sudden you've got the same two or three guys trotting out of the bullpen every single day. And so that's good for those guys because they get used a lot. But at the same point, it's bad for those guys because they get overused. And so right. you don't want to keep ruining guys. So I don't know. I think if they're going to spend money, it has to be on the pitching staff. I'm not expecting them to do a whole lot, but I'm also not super mad at it. I think it'll be something where next offseason, if you're seeing that Wood has established himself as a big leaguer, Cruz has established himself, maybe House or some of the other minor league prospects have established themselves, and you're looking, all right, we need an ace or we need this, and then they don't spend the money, I think that's the time to have some outrage. I think we could – well, let me say this. I think what fans have decided is that they're going to like spend on something, that they're going to bring in basically someone they could put on a poster or whatever, and I just don't buy that. But you see in the Nats Twitter and all over the place, like there is this hope that just as an example, they signed Reese Hoskins, right? And I, I don't see that happening. I just don't think that's realistic. I would love for them to do anything. I'm at a point where, like, I'm not even saying no to ideas I don't love. It's just like, are you spending? Are you interested in bringing in a veteran? Okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, but Hoskins is 31. He's a first baseman. If they were to add a bat, I think they should add a first baseman. Uh, if they, Or you mentioned second base. I don't hate that idea as well. Uh, but I, I'm more inclined to add a first baseman so that you can once and for all, like finish up the Luis Garcia experiment. I also like to keep second base open. I know it hasn't been a good fall league, but, um, you know, you had a, a pretty productive season, uh, in the minor leagues for Trey Lipscomb. And I think, you know, he could be ready in the second half of the season or something. So, and also with all the infielders they have, it's just a spot I'd like to keep open, as we move forward, ideally, if you're not signing a high impact guy. So to me, first base makes the most sense. Cause even, you know, you could move someone to DH who plays first base in a couple of years, if need be. Right. Um, so that's my thought on, on the bats, as far as the pitching goes. Yeah. I'm like you, I'd love to sign a veteran. I think they need to have a, a, a 
workhorse kind of starting pitcher in this rotation. I thought they they lacked that a little bit last year. Like Patrick Corbin is that guy, but he's in the final year of his deal. So my, my thought process is they won't and they'll wait. They'll view Corbin as that guy this year. Like, oh, we've got our veteran. We've got our question answerer for the kids. We've got our leader and who's going to eat a bunch of innings for us. And then maybe next year when he walks, they do that. But you look at the market, it's also – it's not a great starting pitching market from the sense of, like, the, the really high-end guys you're not in on, right? Shohei, who else? I'm thinking, like, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, something like that. Are you really going to make a play for, like, Sonny Gray or Jordan Montgomery? Probably not. And then it falls off pretty good pretty quickly. Um, not to say that you can't bring someone in that's going to help you, but it's a lot of guys in their mid-30s and, you know, guys like – um Kyle Hendricks and Michael Waka and uh, Charlie Morton's 40, but Martin Perez and, you know, that those types. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if the fit's there, but do I want them to sign a veteran starter? I'm just going to throw a name out there randomly, um, like a uh, a Tyler Male or a, a um, maybe a Alex Wood or, or you know, Jack Flaherty or something. Yeah, sure. Kick the tires on a guy like that. Whatever. But I, I'm not going to hold my breath, I guess is what I'll say. I, I kind of have seen the last couple of years that their plan is to spend very little and develop from within, and they might do that for one more year. Yeah, and I think that's fine, to be honest with you, because like I was saying, with the bats, you know, I don't want to have it something where I spent money on a free agent and all of a sudden – one of these young guys is ready to come up and I'm like, well, where do I play him? You know, I don't want to have those sorts of scenarios. I don't want any of those guys to be blocked in turn. It might mean you lose more games than you should, but at the same point, if those guys are ready to come up, I don't want anything impeding them. And then, like you said, on the pitching side, I think you can be encouraged if you're a nationals fan about the possibility of next off season, maybe spending some money because Corbin comes off the books. And if you're the learners, maybe you look at it and say, all right, we're not going to spend this off season because we don't necessarily think, this team is a playoff team yet, but next offseason, Corbin comes off the books and we'll probably have some of these young guys established as big leaguers. Maybe that's the time. And instead of just saying, hey, we're only going to do the 10 to 20 million in the offseason, let's combine that with the money that's freed up by Patrick Corbin. Because when you look at what the Nationals are going to be spending on their roster after this season, after Patrick Corbin comes off the books, really the only dude getting paid is Strasburg. And that's it. So they have to spend money or it's just a total failure by ownership, which, I mean, you can argue that already, but it, they have to start making some moves. So maybe it's not this off season, maybe it's next, but I think that is something to monitor and see what they do because they could definitely use some help on the pitching staff. Yeah, but I'll go one step further. I mean, based on what I can find in salary, they're not paying anybody this year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. th their payroll is nothing. right. What I'm looking at here, and I just pulled this up, is Corbin at 35 mil, Strasburg at 35 mil, Trevor Williams at 7 mil, Kbert Ruiz at 6 mil, and then Victor Robles, who's got a club option at $3 million. Like, that's the non-basically ARB-eligible guys on first contracts. That's the entire list. So that is $85-ish million that – if they pick up the Robles option, which we could discuss, but that's the entire amount of money kind of committed already signed off on, on contracts. And Strasburg's not going to be on this roster. We can get into that in a second, but they're going to have to move on from Strasburg. They yeah. need the 40 man spot. 
So I hope it doesn't get acrimonious and weird after what they did at the end of the year, but they're just going to have to eat that money. It would appear. And he's not going to be there. My guess is that his salary will still be reflected by what they're doing, but they have the deferred money. I guess we have to add that in uh, 15 million to max this year, 2 million to Rafael Soriano still, which I don't know how that's possible. And 1.5 million to Brad hand. I mean, did they just defer Rafael Soriano's money into like 2090? <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever seen, seeing his name on this list. Uh, and Brad Hand, who, like, was so bad for them, unfortunately, and, like, blew the entire series against the Orioles that started the whole sell-off, if you remember. Uh, they're, they're paying him 1.5 this year, it looks like. But otherwise, and I'm getting all this from Track, but otherwise, it's all, you know, Lane Thomas, Arb 2, Dom Smith, Arb 3, Kyle Finnegan, Arb 2. Like, everyone, they need to have their hearings Whoa. or agree to salaries with. And, and that's my point. There's going to be once Corbin comes off the books, there's going to be no one making $10 million. So at that point, if you're not spending money, then sell the team, you know, like at this point, like you said, they're not paying anybody except for Patrick Corbin. Obviously Strasburg is the dark cloud that people like to talk about, but you know, I think that's fine. Whatever is going to happen there happens, uh, whatever, you know, I, I don't, we don't need to delve into that again, but once Corbin comes off the books, like they're not paying anyone on the active roster more than seven, eight million dollars. Yeah, so I mean, you need 70 to million of the listed 80 plus million right now is Corbin and Strasburg. And, and then you're waiting to find out what all the other guy. But you're talking about an, a bunch of rookie deal arb, you know, probably sub one million dollar or a little over that, you know, for the most part type guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect time to go sign a free agent when you're paying literally no one. And that's the beauty of building through the system as opposed to what the Nationals had done at trading guys and signing guys is it doesn't cost a whole lot. That's why teams in, you know, Baltimore and Milwaukee and some of the smaller markets build through the, you know, their system. It's because it's cheap. And so for the Nationals, Theoretically, being in a bigger market, when you build cheap, that's when you go spend and get some of these top dollar guys. That's when you go get the Max Scherzers and free agency. That's when you go bring in some of these guys. So I think there's that opportunity. That door is open. Will they walk through it? Who knows? But I think that door is open for sure. Yeah, and just some estimates because I found some here on what guys could end up making via ARB or, or in an agreement with the team. So Lane Thomas of the rest of their players, not surprisingly, could be a $7 million player now, around 7.3 mil. Dom Smith, uh, if they were to stay in business with him and, and have him back, 4.6 million. Kyle Finnegan, 4.3 million. Hunter Harvey, 2.7. Tanner Rainey, 2.3. Luis Garcia would be the only other guy in the 2 million vicinity. You know, otherwise, uh, it's, it's sub $1 million for guys like Keyboom and Abbott and Abrams and Adams and Adone and Alou and you know, any of the other Cavalli, I mean, you, you name the players that they're going to be basically sub $1 million guys. So yeah, there's very, very, very many options for them with that little salary commitment. And they're as flexible as a gymnast trying to bring gold to the Americans at the Olympics. There's no doubt about that. We'll see if they actually want to spend a little bit of money this off season. Certainly hope that's the case. Um, I mentioned uh, we could get into something in a minute, and it was Victor Robles. Are you just good? Can can we move on from this experiment? Is, uh, 
Are we done here? How do we how do we feel about Victor Robles? It's so weird because we talked about him a decent bit at the beginning of the season, saying, "Oh, maybe he's found something," and he's putting together good plate appearances. And he then all of a three hundred for a hundred at bats. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he had that injury and he just disappeared, and you almost forgot about him. And it was one of those things for me where I kept saying, "All right." I don't need to see any more Victor Robles. I think I've got the book on him. And then I would watch some of the guys they put in center field. And I'd be like, well, I could go back to seeing Victor Robles out there. And then Victor Robles would come back for a game. And I'd be like, well, I think I've seen enough Victor Robles. So I could go either way here. I'm not going to be stunned either way here. I think you kind of understand what Victor Robles is at the same point. He's a guy that you can bring back for decently cheap that can play center field and can still be considered one of the young guys, even though we kind of know what he is. And then if nothing else, he can be brought to the bench when some of these young guys come up and maybe he can help out some of these guys with their, you know, outfield, figuring things out in center field and stuff just as a veteran there. But again, either way, I'm fine. I, I would, if I were me personally, if I were Mike Rizzo, I would say I've seen enough and you know, it's probably time to move on, but again, either way, I'm fine. Yeah. Signed a team, uh, a contract with the team option for this year. I'm good. And I, I think you can find someone who can run around and play defense on the cheap probably, but I, I'm not going to be angry if they bring him back. I just wouldn't commit to any at bats or role for him necessarily. He can compete. I mean, if I was better, if I was good, I'd have no interest. I mean, I know exactly what he is. He's not going to hit. He's going to run into outs on the base paths. He's going to infuriate me. He does add some value defensively, and he was playing better defense last year after his defense had regressed. But if I'm calling the shots, I'll just probably, you know, find someone else with a similar skill set at similar money and and not have the baggage and the reminder of what could have been and should have been. <laughs> And just all the frustration of the last several years. I mean, people forget the quality of prospect uh, that he was. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One note from the minor leagues and from the system here, uh, DJ Hers had an awesome start in the Arizona Fall League. I don't know how much of the AFL you've been tracking, but Hers is the guy that they got in the deal from the Chicago Cubs for Jamer Candelario came over, and he was actually awesome in the second half of the season in the Nat system. Big issue with him is walks, and there's some thought that because he walks so many guys, he's going to end up being a reliever. But I'm going to tell you, nobody can hit this guy. He's the number 16 prospect in their system. I think he's better than that. He's undervalued. But he struck out nine in a fall league start uh, this past week 
if you look at you know how he performed when he got here, it's hard not to be really excited about his potential going into the next year because it's not like he's doing this you know in low A ball or something like that. He was pitching at double A as a 22-year-old. This is a guy who's going to be at big league camp, battling for a spot, have a shot to pitch in the big leagues next season pretty early. He finished the season with a 3-4 ERA and 22 starts and 133 strikeouts in 94 innings with only 67 hits, a 196 average against. Like, the Nats haven't had pitching prospects who put up numbers like that in several years. Uh, his... Whip of 1.3 is revealing when his average against his sub 200 because it shows you about those walks. 57 of them in 94 innings. So it's, you know, it's over four and a half walks per nine. Quick math. But this is a guy who's had a sub 200 batting average against three straight years. In fact, his career, think about this, Toby. This is crazy. His career minor league batting average against is 178. Wow. Like under 230 is dominant, right? Like you're in the 220s. You're like, oh, you're really good. Under, under 215, you're, you're Cy Young caliber major league starter. In the minor leagues, his career batting average against is 178. Nobody can hit him. The stuff is electric. And the question is, can he throw enough strikes and keep the ball over the plate? He's going to turn 23 years old this offseason, this winter. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm really excited about him. I think he, you know, when it's good, it's really, really good. He's got this crossfire delivery. Uh it's really deceptive, you know, kind of a whippy action. He's got like a long, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's a quirky delivery and release. And the Cubs put in plenty of work with him and they get a lot of credit, but I thought he, he did some really good things when he came over to the Nats last season, eight starts, 35 innings, 53 strikeouts. He did walk 20 in that time, but man, was he good. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see him in person whenever that may be, whether he comes into town and we check him out in the minors or he ends up getting called up to the big league club because I forget who we were talking to. It might have been Kyle Glazer when the trade was made. And basically he brought up the funky delivery and that being part of the reason that he's so successful. Because if you look at the numbers on his stuff, like he's not blowing 98 pass guys. He's throwing usually mid 90s, maybe even low 90s and still blowing fastballs by guys and guys can't hit him. And it's basically due to his funky delivery. Now, the funky delivery also leads to the walks. So it's one of those things, live by the sword, die by the sword, right? I mean, it's kind of tough for him to fix things when that's also the reason he's so successful. But yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic since he's come to the Nationals. I mean, the fact that they were able to get this kind of a prospect backed, at least what we've seen so far for Jammer Candelario on a rental was spectacular work by Mike Rizzo. So I'm interested to see what he can become. You know, maybe he just ends up in the bullpen because of those walks, but either way, it seems like he's just someone that for whatever reason with the delivery, maybe, you know, his release point, whatever the case may be, people can't pick him up. And the nice part is he's a lefty. So, you know, if nothing else, he can come in and be maybe a bit of a lefty specialist out of the bullpen. I'm excited to see what this guy can become. I mean, you think about trading Jamer Candelario, you think you're going to get a couple throwaway prospects, you know, just guys to fill out the system, but DJ hers might really help out this team. Yeah, there's no doubt. And he's now right there at the top of the leaderboard and strikeouts in the AFL with a guy named Ricky Tiedemann, who is a uh, prospect in the blue Jay system and one of the best pitchers in the minor leagues, former third round pick who this past year struck out 82 and 44 innings in Toronto system has pitched in a futures game. I've seen him live. He's got like a tatted up arm sleeve on his left throwing arm. He's 
He's a uh, looks like a character out of a movie, pretty much. He's one of the better pitching prospects in baseball, and him and hers are kind of battling for the strikeout title in the AFL last time I had checked. Um, otherwise, for the Nationals in the Arizona Fall League, uh, to quote Jason Bateman in the movie Air, I do not love it. Uh, it hasn't been great. Trey Lipscomb's run out of gas, it seems like. He struggled a bit at the plate, and you know, if we were hoping for the carryover in production from the end of the season, from Robert Hassel, we haven't quite gotten that. So I don't know that, you know, there's a whole lot that you like to worry about per se, but uh, Hassel, not terrible, 270 average, 685 OPS with a home run and 52 at bats, 14 hits. Lipscomb, who had a really good year in the minors, nine for 52, a 173 average with a 365 OPS. And uh, he, he struck out 15 times in about 50 at bats. Hassel struck out 17 times in about 50 at bats. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Lipscomb. He had a fantastic year. It is concerning with Robert Hassel. You know, he started out decent in the Arizona Fall League, obviously finished the year well, but ends up being that it wasn't the best stint for him. So it just worries you because this is a guy that he was going to be a contact hitter and play solid defense. It's He was never going to wow you with – how fast he was on the base pass necessarily. He was never going to wow you with the power at the plate. He was going to be a solid contact hitter. So for him to not be hitting, you know, 280, it's a little bit concerning. I know people aren't as big into batting average, but he was going to be a batting average guy, right? I mean, that's kind of what he was going to be for the Nationals, maybe hitting lead off or somewhere at the bottom of the order. And I don't know if he's not going to be able to do that. It is a little bit concerning. Now, luckily, it seems like they've hit on Abrams and, Hopefully they've hit on Gore and obviously James Wood, so it doesn't end up being that big of a deal that you lose out on Hassel, but it still stinks when you acquire five guys that you think can really help you. And so far we'll see on Susana, you know, he can, I think, still be a dominant closer. I don't see him necessarily being a starter, but, you know, we've talked about it before. It seemed like the safest guy was Hassel, and now <laughs> who knows? Maybe he ends up being the guy that just doesn't pan out. Dang, zoom. One note on the Nats, just some roster news and, and some house cleaning here from uh, about a week ago, actually. Uh, they outrighted Blake Rutherford and Michael Chavis. So they're trying to clean up the number of players on their 40-man. They got too many guys on their 40-man roster. So they took a trio of players, uh, Michael Chavis in the infield, Blake Rutherford in the outfield, and Hobie Harris, the reliever, all cleared outright waivers uh, last week, this past week. So Rutherford and Chavis have chosen to go the route of minor league free agency. That's how the Nats got Joey Manessis as an example. You know, when you've been outrighted multiple times, you can be a free agent and kind of choose where you sign. And they got Manessis as a priority signing. You do that for two reasons, I think. Number one, you try to position yourself maybe in an org where they're a little weaker at your position, perhaps, or where you think you might be able to fight your way onto the roster. But the other thing is, you know, at that point, teams can kind of pay you more for a minor league salary. And uh, I know with Manessis, it was a priority for them to give him a little more cash and to, to get a veteran who could hit a little bit into the system. Uh, Chavis signed a minor league deal with the Nationals last offseason. He was on the opening day roster, played in about 50 games, had about 100 plate appearances. I mean, this guy was a really good prospect for Boston at one point. And I, I, I think he was fine enough in his role this year. He didn't expect a lot. It was a 242, 281, 341 slug 
he was really popular in the clubhouse and yeah, you know, I, struck out 34% of the time. It was not overly productive, but I, I think he served a nice purpose. Yeah, I think he was there basically to fill in at second base or at first base if you needed him, but he was a really good clubhouse guy. I think that's the number one thing. I mean, yeah. bringing in the popcorn machine and all the various things that he did, he was always upbeat and chatting with the players and chatting with people in the dugout, just always talking pregame and very jovial. So I think he was a good guy to just more so have in the clubhouse and on the field, and that's why I think you didn't see maybe as much playing time, but I think he did have an impact this season. As far as Rutherford goes, a little disappointing that he can't hang around, but I certainly get it. Former first-round pick by the Yankees, who was tremendous last season uh, in the minor leagues. Remember the lefty outfielder, hit 336, got on base at a 393 clip and slugged 570 in 74 games between AA and AAA. I mean, those are pretty astounding minor league numbers. Then he got a chance at the big league level, and it, it didn't take advantage of it. Uh, just 16 games. So it's a small sample and it's tough when you're not playing every day and you're, you're playing, you know, game here, three days off game there, but he hit 171 at the major league level across 36 plate appearances. You know, if, if you hit and you perform, who knows, maybe all of a sudden in the, that tiny sample, the Nats are going, well, we got to keep this guy on the 40 man. Instead, you got your shot. It didn't go very well. So now he'll go back to the drawing board, probably go play in AAA somewhere and we'll see him back in the big leagues getting another, opportunity hopefully it goes better this year yeah I mean I really liked Blake Rutherford obviously it didn't necessarily work out on the field but he was a really good guy uh, he talked about I think he got his first hit you know it took him a little while if you remember it took him a little while to oh, finally yeah, get that right. first hit and he got his first hit and he was emotional in the clubhouse afterwards and I think someone in his family I think it might have been his grandpa had just passed away so it really meant a lot to him to have his family there and be able to finally break through and get that first hit and it said he said, it, you know, it's kind of lifted that huge weight off his shoulders because I can only imagine, Grant, when you come up to the bigs, it's your dream. Obviously, things haven't gone as planned and you come up to the big leagues with your maybe one opportunity and it's just taking time after time after time and you can't get that hit. I can only imagine the growing weight. So it was cool to see that kind of a moment for him. It didn't work out. But I think, you know, with those numbers that he put up in the minor leagues last year, someone's going to give him a real shot and hopefully he can get a, a good look in the big leagues again as well. And hopefully it works out for him. The other guy uh, cleared from the 40-man as they try to get down. Normally, you get five days after the World Series, basically, because those 60-day injured list uh, players have to be back on your 40-man after the World Series five days later. So that's why they're making some roster room here. Uh, Hobie Harris, who's the 30-year-old, pitched for the Yankees, drafted, I should say, came up with the Yankees. But here's the problem for Harris. It's not even that his 19 innings in the big leagues didn't go the way he wanted. When he went down to AAA last year, it was a huge struggle for him. He had an ERA over five and a half, and he struck out about 15% of batters uh, in 32 in the third inning. So that's not going to get a cut in AAA. It's not going to butter the bread to get back to the major league. So they've decided to go in a different direction there. So some minor roster moves. Not to say that Hobie Harris isn't going to become a good major league reliever somewhere, but you, you can find what he gave you pretty easily otherwise, and you don't have it to have it count against your 40 man. And that's the key. As I said, that they're going to have to do something, I think with Strauss imminently here, just because you, you, it's tight for them. Do they really want to risk losing one of these guys who's in the system that they like, you know, who, who hasn't gotten to the big leagues yet? I, no chance. I mean, you, you can't have that happen. Yeah. I mean, you cannot start playing with fire and possibly losing guys in the system when you finally built it up because of the rule five and things. And, 
you know, we all understand what's going on with Strauss. Like he's not going to pitch again. So you've got to figure this thing out. And, you know, it's so unfortunate because Strauss is a legend for this franchise. You know, hopefully this is something that in five years all of us forget about. And he has a great retirement ceremony and his number gets retired at Nationals Park. And we don't remember any of this stuff, but it is unfortunate to have to go through this saga. I'm just counting up right now how many guys are on their 40, man. I mean, there's still over four. I, I got it at 43 with a rough count while you were talking. Um, and I mentioned the IL-60 guys come back five days after the World Series, so they don't technically count right now. But that's Cade Cavalli, Carl Edwards, Steven Strasburg, Riley Adams, Stone Garrett, and Victor Robles, right? So then all of a sudden, you're going to have six guys counting that don't at the moment. Um, as far as their 40-man roster, just quickly uh, – by position. So pitching, you know, if you're trying to trim fat, you're trying to figure out, well, who can I lose and feel okay about it here? It's Corey Abbott, Joanna Doan, Cade Cavalli, Patrick Corbin, Matt Cronin, who's a pitching prospect they drafted in the fourth round of reliever, Carl Edwards, Jose Ferrer, Kyle Finnegan, Robert Garcia, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, Hunter Harvey, Jake Irvin, Joe LaSorsa, Andres Machado, uh, Rodery Munoz, Tanner Rainey, Jackson Rutledge, Steven Strasburg, Mason Thompson, Thaddeus Ward, Jordan Weems, Trevor Williams, Amos Willingham. You know, of those guys, you could probably pick three or four that don't mean as much to you because there's not a whole lot of fat to trim at the position player spots. You got four catchers, Adams, Drew Millis, and Israel Pineda. You don't want to lose either of those two young guys. And K. Barrett Ruiz in the infield. C.J. Abrams, Jake Alou, Jeter Downs, Luis Garcia, Carter Keboom, Dominic Smith, or Ildemaro Vargas. You know, they've already decided it sounds like they're keeping Vargas for next year. So you could figure out what you're doing with Dom. But of those guys, the only guy I'm thinking, to tell me if you disagree with anything, like Jeter Downs, I'm not married to. Yeah. Um, if you need to move on from Downs, that's fine. Outfield, Alex Cole, Jeremy De La Rosa is one of their uh, better prospects. Stone Garrett, Victor Robles, Lane Thomas, and Jacob Young. I, I you know, Alex Call would be the guy there, obviously, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, the other five make sense to. Well, I guess Robles, notwithstanding. Yeah, Ro Robles and Call make sense. I, Stone Garrett, I think, is going to have a spot next year because I mean that that stretch he had right before he got hurt. He, he looked should. like some, absolutely. And, you know, Jacob Young's going to start with the big league club, I would assume, play center field. So I'm really interested to see what they can do. So it's going to be a fun season next year to go through. But in terms of pitchers, I don't know, maybe a guy like a Rodri Munoz. I don't know exactly. Some of these guys, with how things were in the bullpen this year, to be honest, it's one of those things where I'm fine with moving on from just about anybody because the bullpen was so bad, except for, you know, a guy like a Hunter Harvey or a Finnegan, those kinds of guys, maybe even a guy like a Mason Thompson. But some of these guys, maybe it's just time to to move on because things didn't work out. But, you know, Weems pitched well, so we'll see. I think it is interesting, though, when you start adding these guys back in from the 60-day IL, how much they're going to have to trim people off. And it sucks. That's just kind of how professional sports work. But I think they've got a couple expendable pieces, but there might be some surprising ones that they end up having to move on from. He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. This has been Boston Loose Baseball. Next time you hear from us, we will go through the Nats system and break down all their top prospects and how they fared this season. 
what our expectations are for them in 2024. We'll give you some Major League Baseball ETAs for those players as well. Thanks so much for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball. We're back at it next week.